So they've destroyed 450 tons of food in a starving area. This, see, these numbers don't make any sense. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's October 25th, 2009. Time for your Gitmo Nation media assassination episode 142. This is no agenda. Under a declaration of national emergency for the swine flu. And coming to you from the minimum security containment cell in Gitmo Nation West. It's San Francisco, California. I'm the crackpot, Adam Curry. And from sunny northern Silicon Valley on the top of the hill, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's crackpot and buzzkill in the morning. It is, it's sunny here too, John. A little late. What, the, for the sun? No, for us to be doing the show. We're 20 minutes behind schedule. Eh, it's a Sunday. You know, the, 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 church, uh, the Church of No Agenda can only really commence when the high priests are ready. <laughs> and you know it just takes what us about a, us yeah <laughs> it just takes us a little while to get into it all uh last night i went to uh, what's is it rn47 is that the name of the restaurant yeah have you Something been there like that. no i've been meaning to go how is it uh it's not bad it's a little it's one of these places that um it's in the millennium tower which is a huge uh was i guess condo complex in san francisco yeah and um that's the tower of death right no, 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 no. That's the Rincon Tower. No, I thought the Tower of... Oh, no, okay. No. Rincon Tower is up on Harrison. That's, oh, okay. the, that's the Tower of Death next to the Bay Bridge. No, this is the Millennium Tower. Um, right. So it's kind of a loft feel to it, but it's like, you know, it's, it's one of these places where... First, it's, it, it's not cheap. Um, so, it, and, it, you know, it's one of these top-of-the-range type loft-style places. It's... Uh, who's it done by? It's one of those famous dudes who put this one together. Minna, Minna, Minna like, yeah, Minna, and uh, and the music is just a little bit too loud. You know, Minna lost uh, both stars for Aqua. They just came out. I saw. I saw the stars had just come out. No, I I I could only see. Yeah, no, Minna lost his two stars that Aqua had undeservedly. But you know, I guess somebody finally figured that out, and boom, they gave him pulled the p- plug on him. And then they he lost one of his stars for the Michael Minna restaurant in the St. Francis, which I don't think is deserving of a star either. It looks because they because they pulled a bait and switch on me with a wine selection once. It still irks me. So this uh, RN forty seven is supposed to have the great wine selection, which I did not sample at all because, of course, I didn't have my wine bitch there. To, to select an appropriate bottle, you can always call. Uh, but it, it, so the food was good. I'll have to say I had a, a pumpkin soup, which was really nice, and of course in season. And then I had uh, I had to have this. It's, it was jumping out on me on the menu. Liberty Farm Duck. I'm like, yay! <laughs> Liberty. <laughs> Liberty Farm Duck. Yes, Liberty Farm Duck. The incoming. I was like, yeah, that's perfect. It was really good. But uh, just the ambiance is just too loud. And they've built it like a train station. And it was funny because I'm sitting there and we kind of had the Hollywood table at the very end, which was, you know, really, it's a, it's a even quieter than the rest of the place. And I kept hearing this. I'm like, what the hell is that noise? And I realized we're sitting underneath um, the schedule board, which is an old fashioned, you know, like a, in a train station where the, the numbers and the letters flip. actually flip over. Yeah. And uh, um, it's cool. I mean, that, the, it's nice. It's g- gimmicky. So, what is it? What's on the What's on the board? What does it say? Does it have a menu on it? No, it has you know, places you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not going. We're not bold. really going hey, there. This is a scam. And it's like if you've ever sat in the train station, this is one of the places you don't want to eat ever. So I'm not quite sure how it relates to fine dining, but it's a theme. 
Well, before we continue the show, I want to announce our uh, executive producer for this week's show. Uh, there's actually uh, two people we could give kudos to, but we're, we'll bring up the second one, who's a new knight, later. But the, this, the executive producer is actually Sterling Ellsworth. Okay. Came in with a $77.77, and he made a note that this is the sixth time in a row he's given this money. Which so one, one more time, right? And then well, we'll never hear from more, him again. Wait, wait, wait. One more or 77 more times. We don't know. <laughs> no, that would only, after, after the next time, only 70 more times. Then right, it, right. Then it goes the, times. That's cool, though. I mean, the guy has definitely been, uh, been, uh, been donating a lot and is highly appreciated. So he is the executive producer of uh, episode 142 of uh, No Agenda. It's almost like you can... Uh, put an episode of Lost on your resume if you were the executive producer. You know, you'll say episode like yeah, uh, that's what they do. We'd be, you know, we'd be, you the get others, the, the others are coming. That would be the episode title, right? Uh, so wait until you uh, see the show posted, then you'll know what the episode title is, and then you can put that on your resume. Yeah, and we vouch it, totally. Anything you send us, we'll sign unread. So, <laughs> as long as it's not a blank check with my name on it. <laughs> Okay, where would you like to start, John? Bank okay, failures, well, swine let's, flu, let's start, uh, Afghanistan, with, drug running. Well, let's start with something light. Okay. Uh, there is, and I have a clip. Nice. Uh, so it seems as though their uh, Fox uh, and the Obama administration have gotten into a pissing contest. Yeah, this is this is kind of weird, um, and 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 you know. I think our take is the same, John, that this is just a huge distraction, you know, because you, you can't get it any better to distract the public from real news than having the news guys arguing with other news guys about news guys not being news guys because the president <laughs> said so. I mean, it's just my mind is like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's just, I yeah, I know it's, 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 it's actually quite humorous. But but meanwhile, and I don't know if they're doing this on purpose because I don't see how these people can afford these ads, but they're running on Fox, specifically on Fox. The following ad, you can see it on there, uh, the Obama uh, mention. Uh, I think we should play it. <laughs> Change has come to America. Our is on Fox. Is now. Yes, we can. To commemorate the inauguration of our 44th president with a well-known American icon, introducing Chia Chia Obama. This Chia Obama is a special edition and collector's item. Just spread the seeds, water, and watch it grow. Your Chia Obama is a symbol of liberty, opportunity, prosperity, <laughs> and hope. Chia Obama makes the statement, I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> Display it on your desk, in your home, <laughs> at your school. At your school. <laughs> Show pride and support with Chia Obama. Get your collectible Chia Obama. And with this special offer, order two Chia Obamas and shipping and handling is free. Call toll free. So, you know, both Mickey and Christina, when they first saw this, because this has been running for quite a while on uh, on Fox, they both thought it was a spoof, that it was a spoof ad. And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's like a real ad. But the more I hear it, the more I'm thinking there's got to be some huge organization behind this who has actually just set this up as a spoof. And they're actually shipping them out, obviously, because it's real. Um yeah, but no. The thing that's got "Yes, we can" carved into the side of it is a stupid-looking thing. It's you can get chia. two. You can get two versions, by the way. You can get the pensive-looking uh, Obama Chia or the "Yes, we can" Obama Chia. There's two uh -huh. different kinds. 
And anyway, they're they're running this ad on on the O'Reilly Show, which is the most expensive of all these uh, Fox News uh, programs. It's also my understanding that along with the Snuggie, this is the uh, the first or the second most successful product being sold in the United States at the moment. Well, it's pretty unbelievable. I went to the Seattle airport recently, and there's a, they, they have this cute sh- uh, shop, and it's called Fireworks or something like that. And they have all these trendy little things, and they have a whole bunch of Obama stuff. They have Obama dolls, Obama action, Obama action figures, and then they have this one that, which is Obama. I was going to buy them and give them to you as a gift, <laughs> but they're like they're like seven dollars. It was just wasn't. I just, oh, just you're not going to spend seven bucks on me. No, I'd spend seven bucks on you, not but not for a little little bitty can of mints. <laughs> but the it's, it says on the can it's Obama mints, and then on the side it says "Yes, we can." D. <laughs> oh man, oh, that, that's pretty bad. Now, so this brings to mind a question that, that I, I'm not quite understanding what the heck's going on here because doesn't Obama? have rights to his image even even if he's the president of the United States and so far as commercial products are concerned and doesn't he shouldn't he be in touch with the, one of these licensing bureaus and be getting a piece of the action well yeah you're presuming that he's not i am presuming that he's no, not no i'm i'm presuming that he is i'm presuming that he's not because there, somebody would have uncovered the the, the deal I can't believe for a minute that someone hasn't written about this. Well, Obama, and what does he get? I mean, because I, I get the sense that people are just doing whatever they feel like with the Obama image, and they're just cranking stuff out, and nobody nobody hears from anyone. Well, I'm not. I don't. I'm not thinking. That. I, I I would think that um, as I mean, long as I, it's not as long as it's not disparaging, I bet you can get a, get away with anything, and it's highly encouraged by the administration. I bet the moment you do a product that is, uh, you know, a uh, oh, an like anti- the Obama Chia. Oh, that's that's totally cool, dude. That's, oh. <laughs> dude. This is our culture. <laughs> we, this is the country of the pet rock. What the fuck yes, are you talking we about? Candy. I mean, come on. Yeah, it, it's all a part of the mind control. It's good. You know, if you have think about the the inherent benefits to the uh, to the administration of the Obama Chia. You know, you're displaying it at school. Which, by the way, how can that? I mean, that's huge. To display it, to even say display it at school, whereas you know there was such a ruckus over the president doing a uh, a speech to, to to the students of the country. Now you want to display this thing at school? Um, no, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that they're okay with it. You know, it's all a part of the cult of personality, well, which like is what the setup is. For a fact instead of just suppositions. Now, I think that the thing that would sell to a lot of people would be a Obama marionette. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> now you too can control the most powerful man in the universe. Watch him dance. And you can make the mouth move and have little healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. Healthcare insurance reform. That's cool. We could we could certainly make why don't we just make the commercial? <laughs> Maybe somebody out there will be glad oh, to I'm make sure it. I'm sure someone would make that. It's the Obama marionette. Now you too can own a piece of history. Now you two can be Rahm Emanuel pulling the strings from above. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> I like it. The Obama marionette. We, we, you know, we should at least, why don't we should write the copy for it? I mean, think about all the cool things you could say. You know, now this ancient art form comes to your living room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Loved in China. <laughs> 
<laughs> now this ancient art, this ancient art form, practiced in China for many years with all of our presidents. <laughs> I like it. Then you have to have some little kid saying stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, make a make a note and eat it, please, so so that we actually do that. <laughs> that is too funny. Uh, that's a good. So what else? Uh, well, Sorry? I mean, there's, there's a lot. Um, well, the thing I guess the top of the news in terms of uh, using the public is the uh, you know the one of our last ditch efforts to get people to start taking the swine flu thing is, is the, the the emergency, the national emergency. Somehow, it's become a national emergency. Well, and I, by the way, the death count is is a thousand. Uh, so, and I think that's worldwide. Yeah, uh, which I'm, is about about a good nine. You know, it's, I mean, that, normally in the U.S. alone, we have thirty six thousand from seasonal flu. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, not performing well. Well, so there's a, a couple of very specific things about this national emergency, and, and I think we have different types of national emergencies. This is actually the kind that uh, the exact same form of emergency that was signed just before Katrina hit, and a couple of other. It's usually used for hurricanes and uh, and that type of natural disasters, and what it enables the health secretary to do, our friend Miss Sibelius, is. Um, to do a couple of special things, such as set up other place, uh, triage units outside of hospitals to treat patients um, and also get federal funding for it. So I think the rule is if you – so let's say you don't want all these people who are puking and moaning and groaning. You don't want them in the hospital. So you can set up tents on the lawn and as long – and without this uh, emergency proclamation, uh, you can have tents within 250 uh, feet of the hospital itself and federal funds can still be appropriated towards it. Now with this, they can move it as far as they want. And of course, I'm thinking FEMA camps. That's the place to put the fuckers. And, um, and the other part is, uh, you won't, uh, the hospitals won't have to go through the rigorous, uh, forms that you have to fill out. They can basically just say, what's your name? And then they can treat you. That's, <clears throat> that's what I understand this to be about. Oh, well, it could be. But I but I was uh I was thinking I this. See, yeah, go ahead. I just don't see them lined up, you know, with all these sick people lined up. People go home, you know, they get the sniffles, they go home for it's a short-lived flu. Yeah, this a good this, flu lasts 5 days. But this is also the thing, you know, if you watch television, which I desperately try to avoid, you, you kind of get the idea that, you know, uh, even the the flu.gov and is reporting widespread swine flu and it's all you know it's 46 of all 50 states you know by the way which ones aren't so i can go move there um and and you get the feeling that you know that all these people are dying and and i i'm just not seeing it in my in my vicinity i'm just not seeing it around me i'm not seeing it yeah the so we probably have on any given day four or five people out of uh you know so maybe Seven percent of our workforce at Mevio is ill. You know, okay, that's with any type of flu season, you can expect that. I'm not yeah, seeing the whole. Yeah, you have to wonder company. though, how many people are you know are either are just staying cold. home. They're like, oh, or I feel, I don't feel good. I'm going to stay. And you uh, get, you I, get the I email. So. I think I've got the swine flu. <laughs> I love those emails. Hey, I woke up, not feeling too good. Working from home today. I hate those. <laughs> you know what? I'm, if you're sick, just be sick and sick and shut up about it. You know, sick is sick. Don't give me this working from home. You know, don't work. If you're sick, don't work. Please, please get better. Don't work. 
Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing it either. Um, although, you know, I've I've been had this ongoing conversation, and uh, and she finally blogged about it and actually undertook action. Uh, our friend Molly Wood over there at uh, at CNET. Uh, she actually twittered. She said, "Yeah, hell yes, I got my son vaccinated." Sorry, Adam. Like, yeah, you had to do that. And she has sorry, this, Adam. Like, yeah. like you're the like, the one guy yeah. <laughs> who's telling her not to do it. <laughs> and uh, and she wrote this huge blog post. And you know, of course, uh, everything that that is uh, you know, like oh, uh, all these cynical people, and we're all going to die. She points to everything prisonplanet.com and everything that oh, is. Oh God, that, that works. Yeah, but every every everything is like, well, it's clearly not true. And then she points to factcheck.org. I'm like, you know, anyone who uses factcheck.org as as their absolute truth, you know, should be on the board of Wikipedia. So anyway. So did Molly get a shot too? Uh, no, even better. And I and and I have high respect, and I love Molly to death. Um, I but don't she, think there's any reason we can't slam her. Well, I'm, I'm not going to slam her, but it's it, it's she's an excellent uh, specimen of the mind control that has been exerted upon the populace. Because she actually wrote, you know, I'm not getting my swine flu shot just yet because I want because we don't have enough. So I'm going to wait until other children and pregnant mothers have had theirs, and then I'll go get mine. <laughs> what a thing to post you should read I it i'm above it all <laughs> oh man i was just like oh boy <laughs> all righty then did you know by the way and one of our producers sent this to me there is an excise tax on uh on the swine flu vaccine we were talking about excise excise taxes and there is? Yes. Uh, in fact, what a scam that is. It's supposed to be, we're supposed to be making the public healthy, not finding another excuse well, to tax well, them. Well, check it out. So this is um, the title of this document. It's like, and this, is, this was released in, it's Form 720, which was revised in April of 2009. And it's, you know, there's taxes on weird shit, right? I think we probably knew this, like arrow shafts, certain types of arrow shafts. Uh, there's excise tax. So the vaccine tax, very interesting. So this is uh, IRS number 97. A tax is imposed on the sale or use of a vaccine manufactured, produced, or entered into the United States at 70, 75 cents per dose if it contains, and then it has uh, a whole bunch of uh, like uh, diphtheria, toxoid, tetanus. So basically every single vaccine that is out there, uh, if it's against measles, mumps, rubella, hepatitis A, uh, the rotavirus, gastroenteritis, or the human papamala virus, so the HPV. So essentially, you know, this is like, a, the, the scam is so incredibly clear. We get, you know, it's like, okay, healthcare industry, uh, bio, big pharma. We're gonna we're gonna help you push this agenda through for giving boys anti cervical cancer vaccines, boys, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then we're gonna charge you. And it also says right here if it is a uh, trivalent vaccine against influenza. And then here's how they do it though, and this is kind of cool. If any taxable vaccine is combined with one or more additional taxable vaccines, then the tax is imposed on each vaccine included in the combination. Example, MMR contains three taxable vaccine 
uh, vaccines, measles, mumps, and rubella. So the tax per dose on MMR is three times 70, 75 cents is $2.25. So, you know, there's like a huge tax on this vaccine thing. So when they produce the, the, the 100 million doses, that amounts to about, you know... $70 million. Or more. Yeah. A little more. Yeah, $75 million. Not bad. This whole, this no, whole not ec- bad for a day to walk in the park. <laughs> but all this, uh, you know, there's also something called a lust tax, which I don't quite understand what that lust? is. Lust? L-U-S-T. Lust tax. Oh, on inland waterways fuel use. So it must be some kind of fuel thing. You know, if people really realize how many, how many tax, how much we are actually taxed. Oh, dude, I'm personal income tax, ten percent sales tax, ten percent state income tax, uh, personal state income tax, ten percent, ten percent sales tax, twenty, thirty percent federal income tax, uh, gasoline tax, uh, excise tax here, excise tax tax there. If you go to a hotel, you spend as much in taxes as you do for the room. If you go to the airport, you're being taxed, tax, tax. There's a million taxes. You the forty nine dollar ticket comes out to be about sixty five bucks. Yeah, which means twenty bucks or so in taxes. You know we're we must be spent doing, you know, we are, you know, people, oh, we have low taxes in the United Bullshit. States. Bullshit. That's bull. So the uh, air transportation taxes, uh, they even have taxes for charter flights, and they've raised them, of course. Um, these, have all, these have all gone up, and they charge it per flight segment. Here's example. They even provide examples, handy examples. In January 2009, Frank Jones pays $265.20 to a commercial airline for a flight in January from Washington to Chicago with an intermediate stop in Cleveland. The flight comprises two segments. The price includes the $240 fare and the $25.20 excise tax. Which That's is ten percent over ten percent, seven and a half. No, seven and a half percent. It's two forty times seven and a half percent plus two times three dollars and sixty cents, for which Frank is liable. The airline collects the tax from Frank and pays it over to the government. So the airlines are basically an extended arm of the IRS. Yeah, and also they're uh, uh, they're tax collectors, and, are, and aren't the airlines already paying a tax on their fuel? Inco- and and if they make any profit, income tax. Oh, the yeah. fuel, so the they're fuel paying taxes, taxes on the fuel. They're paying yeah. taxes on their profits, and then they're collecting bogus taxes by from us. And that's all. If you if you count that as an additional, t- because it's being passed to you. I mean, the taxes that they're co- that they're paying to the government for profits is you know just added into the fare. So you're paying that too. Yeah, I mean, we're, I can't imagine. Where, I mean, I wish somebody out there would actually because I heard a guy go through a bunch of these taxes once in some talk yeah, show. He, but didn't wasn't didn't we have a producer who was working on that trying to get us the true taxable tax rate for uh, American citizens based upon all of this stuff? And he kind of went away. He went off the radar, I think. Hmm. Anyway, use of international air facilities. Uh, there's a sixteen dollar ten cent per person tax for flights that begin or end in the United States. Uh, there's also a tax on communication and air transportation uh, for use of local and teletype writer service. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Particularly if you're using a teletype writer, then you shouldn't be. What flying. are they doing with all this money? They're just <laughs> they're just giving it to bankers. I mean, I can't believe that this is going on. And people, well, yeah. Here's what the thing that kills me because this happens because I do all these you know these shows like Cranky Geeks and things before that, and I would be in a discussion and someone. Will, 
invariably some one person somewhere well i think they're going to have to raise taxes or they i don't think it's a bad thing because you know we could we could afford we have it no taxes anyway there's people that actually advocate as far as i'm concerned if there's the word taxes in the conversation i'm against it because i realize that we're already taxed to death and so why would you want to add to the burden last well, yeah. I, I wish somebody would give us an hour. It's got to be 70% plus. Close to it. Last night, dinner was 9.5% state tax and then another 2.5% tourist tax. Dude, I live here. I'm not a freaking tourist. I got to pay a tourist tax. Oh, I never knew that. In San Francisco, there's now another 2%. So in other words, you're paying 12% tax yeah. on top of uh, an 18% tip? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I gave 10 <laughs> I don't give 18 It's like, I'm sorry, I can't afford your tip because of the taxes. Uh, let me just get back to the marketing of the uh, of the of the vaccine. I'd like you to take a look at this link that I'm sending you, John, from MLB. That's uh, Major League Major Baseball. Major League Baseball. You can join the I've Got the Flu Vaccine sweepstakes. Yay! And get your free tickets to Game Four. <laughs> look at the link. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that- I see it. And then uh, our friend. Uh, I got the flu vaccine sweepstakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no purchase necessary because it's free. I guess you get a shot and then you get registered for a, for a game four or something like that. Yeah, your odds of winning are extremely <laughs> lousy. Yeah, if everyone gets it. So Sibelius was pushing this thing on school kids, and they have a, a, a beautifully animated cartoon with a little song that goes along with it. Now, seeing the animation is really, and this is on the White House uh, website, whitehouse.gov. Um, and the animation is just fantastic, but I want you to listen to the lyrics of this song because it is just hey, freaky. Hey, kids, we're ready to roll. Stopping that virus, that's our goal. So come on, everybody, we're getting the shot. It might hurt a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. But it's going to help a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the shot, Johnny. This vaccination is a great opportunity. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. To do something for yourself and your community. Yes, it is. the virus i won't give it to you if you don't give it to me i won't give it to her if i don't get it from her i won't give it to them that's true if i don't get the virus i won't give it to you hey kids we're ready to roll so the, the end is actually worth it it's coming up so come on everybody we're getting the shot it might hurt a little bit just a little bit but it's gonna help a whole lot And now, now you see the actually administering shots into these kids' arms. Ouch! But it's gonna help a whole lot. Isn't that the most sickening actually, thing you've well, ever heard? One of the things, by the way, as someone who knows how to administer a shot, it doesn't actually hurt at all. No, you don't feel it. A little pinch, maybe. You know, no. Even the, I've had people that you wouldn't even know that she what done. Yeah. Um, you know, experts, but of course, you know, they're having pharmacists do these. Um, that's disgusting. It really is. Uh, let me just read from the blog post on Thursday, October 21st, students, parents, and educators from the Washington DC area joined department of health and human services, secretary Kathleen Sebelius for a screening of an episode of the animated series, Sid, the science kid. So of course now they're also making it science, you know, just like Al Gore did with global warming, you know, the science is in, there's no disputing the science. 
this was hosted at the Department of Education. Education. They watched Sid and his classroom friends as they learned about the flu and visited the school nurse to get vaccinated for influenza. And I'm thinking, you know, how come we haven't had this type of a drive for uh, other vaccinations? You know, for for stuff, you know, like MMR as an example. I mean, the push is so hard. And to me, if I just look at the the grand scale, and on the last episode of No Agenda, we looked at the pipeline for uh, the four big pharmaceutical companies, in particular GlaxoSmithKline, and the pipeline, it's all about vaccines. It appears to be the future of big pharma is in vaccines. They've got an AIDS vaccine, which, of course, probably doesn't work. Uh, Probably, they, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they've been pushing the uh, the, the the HPV uh, vaccine, which unbelievably this anti cervical cancer vaccine now also being approved for boys, you know, who don't have a cervix, as far as I know. <laughs> if you have, if you haven't noticed, although, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never know. You know, it's just like, wow, you know, this is it, and and. And, I, and people say, "Oh, you're an anti-vaxer." You know, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not an anti-vaxer, but I, I do <laughs> think that the I idea, like that. The, the idea that that uh, that kids get twenty to thirty vaccines before they're you know before they can like walk, just seems wrong. You know, there's just there's just too much going on here, and and I guess this is the future of healthcare. Is don't worry, it may hurt a little bit, but it'll help a lot. Go ahead, bend over, bitch, and take the shot. And that's going to save us all from everything, but it's—I don't know. It's well, just, no, it's going to provide weird. a lot of tax tax benefits. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the tax benefits are clearly tax there. Tax benefits. Yeah. Horowitz just sent me a note for, that says uh, supposedly massive orders for body bags on the hush in the in the northeast. Oh, really? I mean, there's always there's always. You know the body bags and the plastic coffins and all that. I think they use the. I think that's just a. You know, you want to. It's probably not that much on the hush if he knows about it. He lives in Florida. <laughs> and and let's face it, it's Horowitz. <laughs> what does that mean? He's thinking to himself. He's listening on the iPhone. By the way, I didn't know we can get the stream on the. Yeah, iPhone. yeah, you can. We have this like three iPhone apps that uh, that you can get from the uh, iTunes Store. We need to get uh, do one official one. But anyway, I, I think this is a form of mind control that goes just beyond uh, beyond anything I would have expected out of our government. It's, it, it goes way too far. It's gone way too far, but I don't think it's that. I mean, it's kind of effective. I mean, it obviously affected Molly Wood, who actually went through the work. I mean, if, if normally, if somebody like, for example, listening to you go on and on about something, and then they're, they're and you. With some critique of the of the system and the way it works, normally people, I think, and I think the average, not the average listener to this show, but the average American would either going to go, yeah, I'll get one or I won't get one. They're not going to go into the kind of detail that requires them to start doing research on the internet. Uh, well, the know, thing just, is, you get to the research on the internet, and if you go to flu.gov, you know they've got these big things, you know, big big FAQs and big reality check stickers and logos, and refuting everything that uh, you know that certainly that we've brought to light. Um, and and the, the crazy thing is, if you read, and this this is such a red flag. You know, let me go to flu.gov. If you go to flu.gov. And you go to the FAQs, and right at the top there is one of our main... Oh, shit, hold on a second. Uh, uh, one is the... It was about the adjuvants. How come... 
They changed it. What, they change the site every single freaking day? Um, you know, so th- there's a question about adjuvants. Hold on. I really want to get this. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, crap. They make this stuff so difficult to understand. Oh, myths and facts. Here it is. Straight talk about the flu and you. Can you believe the latest? So here it is. The, um, here's the question. The H1N1 vaccine includes adjuvants such as squalene. And then here's the answer. None of the H1N1 vaccines currently distributed by the U.S. government contains adjuvants. So the word currently is important that's here. That's the key word. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the bullshit. So, and then all, a, all H1N1 vaccines used in the United States are licensed by the FDA are made in the very same way as seasonal influenza vaccines are made. Currently, that's the meme. Currently, seasonal, seasonal flu vaccines in the United States are also made without adjuvants. Then right underneath it, if needed... Hello. If needed, an adjuvant is a component that can be incorporated into a vaccine to help to help to generate a stronger immune response to the vaccine and help prevent disease. Bullshit. Squalene is a compound found in many natural sources, such as olive oil, that can act as an adjuvant and is used as an adjuvant in vaccines in many countries. So, you know, they're setting you up right there. They're saying, yeah, right now there's no adjuvants, but it's coming. The evaluation of any vaccine by the Food and Drug Administration considers the safety, effectiveness, and the immune responses and includes consideration of all components of the vaccine. So, essentially, they're saying it's not in there right now, but if needed, so, I mean, what does that tell you, if needed? They don't say why it might be needed. I know, it's just a vague kind of thing. And I I just don't understand all the, you know, you know the CDC releases their uh, their VIS statements, their uh, vaccine information statement, and they say you know no one under two should get this. Yet on flu.gov they're saying, hey, if your kid is six, you know no problem. And you hear pregnant women shouldn't get it, and then oh, pregnant women should get it. So, you know this bad shit is going to happen, and it's already happening in Sweden. There's tons of people getting sick, at least it's being reported uh, from the vaccine. Have you uh, been tracking this, John? Not at all. Nope. Nope. Uh, let me, uh, let me just find it here. Yeah, it was like a hundred people already, uh, taken ill. I think a couple people died. Uh, here it goes. People are dying of the vaccine in Sweden. Uh, of course, uh, a lot of these reports are unfortunately in, uh, Swedish. <laughs> makes it rough. <laughs> yeah, it makes it a little rough to actually check the, uh, and the, you know the, the thing that you, know, I, you think there may be. I, I don't want to. I sound like the crackpot here, please. But you'd think that at some point in history, like ten years ago, we would have had the kind of tools and massive computing power that could actually do reasonably good machine translations. But that's never happened. And every time a good translation program or some superstar comes up with a good translation program or a guy, I've met some of these guys who actually understand how to do it right, they all get bought up by some conglomerate and then the product just disappears off the face of the earth. I can't tell oh, you yeah. how many oh, translation yeah. products happened, yeah, have disappeared. Right. So um, uh, I'm not sure uh, what type of vaccine they are using in uh, the kingdom of Sweden, but I do have a couple uh, links here to Swedish articles where the translations for you in English, and you'll find that in the show notes at noagendashow.com. So, uh, suspect death because of vaccine. These are, these are, uh, crude translations, obviously. Suspicious deaths of vaccine medicines agency is, 
of vaccines. Medicines Agency, I guess that's the health services, is now investigating a death in which a a Hjartschuk patient fell ill with chest pains and died one day after vaccination against the swine flu. Uh, here, here, two people die soon after vaccination. Two seriously ill people have died after being vaccinated against swine flu. So I don't know if they were already ill, but this was a 55-year-old. Uh, stronger side effects than other vaccines. Another Swedish report. So you know, Sweden is definitely reporting something. There seems to be something. We're on reporting nothing. Yeah. Everything's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or. As we like to say, don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. Uh, there's one other. There's one other theory that I really liked about uh, about the swine flu. You know, I've I've been uh, I've been looking for the bank holiday when, of course, everything closes and the banks are shut, and uh, that's when uh, when the dollar collapses, which is kind of the way it happened in uh, in the Great Depression. Uh, we need we need that that and all the conspiracy theorists and fellow crackpots are all looking for the bank holiday when it's all going to happen, and then it kind of dawned on me there's two things that that could take place. First of all, um, the banks could shut down because they are petri dishes, just petri dishes of swine flu. I tell you, shut all the banks. That would not be outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, you have to shut down sporting events first, and they're never going to do that. Well, no, there's too much money. But, you know, that would be like putting TSI, TSA on trains and subways. I mean, that would, be, that would be too crazy. You know, it's terrorists don't actually attack those except in England and Spain. But uh, wouldn't it be interesting if uh, we had to get rid of paper money because, uh, you know, money... Oh, that's a good one. I like that. I, mon- can, I could, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it because paper money is covered with germs. So I think we all should go to plastic money. No more paper money for you. You need to use your debit well, actually, and Well, actually, now that you card. mention it, you have to take it one step further, which is, if you remember, they've already preconditioned us for these new credit cards that don't need to be swiped. They've got an RFID chip in them, and you just have to hold them near the device yep. and... Sucks, yep. up the, sucks up the uh, numbers. Which would also be a beautiful way to kind of fix a lot of this, uh, a lot of our monetary base problem. Just get all the money in circulation out of circulation. Keep it all well, on the computer where it's all completely manipulable. Manipulable. Yeah, well, let's put it this way. Thank God for the Chinese and the mob. <laughs> Why? The Chinese are cash-oriented. And there's... <laughs> and, and they're oh, not yeah. going to put up with this crap. And the mob is, hey, it's a cash business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, take a look at, uh, at this picture, John, which I'm going to send you a link to right now. This uh, came out yesterday as an official state portrait of the Obamas. And, yeah. and I'm looking at this and I'm saying, what a piece of crap. Who decided to take this picture? There's doors open in the background. Now the Obama family looks beautiful. They look they look fantastic there in the foreground. But you know it's, it's like it's in the the green room or whatever. And it's like there's no there's no flags. There's no nothing. It's just that you know like three chairs. They threw. You know them this down. is done by the famous photographer Annie, Annie Leibovitz. That's what blew me away. But this is an Annie Leibovitz picture. Like no way. This is crap. And you know what's funny about that? There was some I was watching CNN or one of the channels, and they were and they when this picture first came out, and they went, "It's an Annie Leibovitz, Annie Leibovitz, Annie Leibovitz. What a beautiful picture! I've never seen anything like it. It's the most beautiful picture ever made. It's a piece of crap, <laughs> and it's not the Obamas look great, 
but you know, there's there's no no lighting. I mean, for Annie Leibovitz, I mean, I know she's hit on some hard times, but man, that she had to, to she has to stoop to this to make this crappy piece of shit. This is not as I'm embarrassed for my country for this to be the state portrait of the first family. I'm truly embarrassed. It's horrible. I think you've made your point. Okay. By the way, play the swine. We're over with the swine flu discussion. Hit the theme. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I got bored with it. You caught me off guard. I was still fuming. I was fuming about Annie Leibovitz. I mean, and she took it on a Canon EOS one. Yeah, great. You know, that's like that. What happened to uh, you know? She'd be using like one of those. What are those? What are those? Uh, what's that? That big expensive camera called the Hasselblad. Hasselblad, yeah, with a digital back. That's what she should be using. No, instead of that, she's using a Canon E. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't. Something's very wrong with that. Yeah, maybe she had to sell her Hasselblad to pay taxes. My favorite new uh, congressman has got to be Alan Grayson. Oh, that idiot from Florida. I'm liking this guy more and more. I really am. Did you see him grill the? Um, the attorney for the Federal Reserve? No, I didn't. I missed that one. Did you tape it? <laughs> yeah, hold on a second. It's Federal funny. Reserve ever tried to manipulate the U.S. stock market. So, so he's so he's really so. There's almost no one there, by the way, in whatever uh, committee this was. And he's asking, and this lawyer. I mean, you know, I've had lawyers. This would not be my lawyer. I'd be like, okay, you're a wimp. Get the fuck out. You're not representing me. So this is supposed to be the head counsel for the Federal Reserve, and Grayson is grilling him. It's a Grayson grilling. On uh, if the Federal Reserve has ever manipulated the stock market. Now, of course, we all know the answer, but listen to this weasel guy who just can't seem to get out of it. And Grayson, I have to say, is really grilling him, and I like it. No, sir. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> not that you're aware of, but you're the attorney, right? That's right. So you might not even know, right? I would expect to know if there were something like that being done. I'm not aware of that at all. And if you did know, you'd be bound by attorney-client privilege, and you wouldn't be able to tell us, right? Uh, sir, if there were something the Federal Reserve were doing outside its legal authority, I would have an obligation to say something about that. All right, so we agree that any participation by the Federal Reserve in the stock market or the futures market is outside the Federal Reserve's legal authority, right? The Federal Reserve has some authority to regulate various aspects of markets and uh, participate in markets in certain ways. So I think your question is too categorical. But uh, I think not, actually. Why don't you answer? <laughs> I don't know what would. I don't know. Your question is so uh, overbroad. I don't know where to begin to answer that. I don't think it's that overbroad. <laughs> I, I just like the the guy's demeanor is funny. You got to admit, he's he's. Oh he, yeah, no, the guy's a laugh riot. And uh, anyway, so it's a it's like a five and a half minute clip, but a certain the two main things that come out of it is, hey, can we audit the gold? Is all the gold on the Fed's balance sheet actually in the Federal Reserve? And the guy says, yeah. So can we audit that? The guy says, yeah, I guess you could. But the big thing is, he's saying, okay, so how does the Federal Reserve participate in the markets? And then he goes into, yeah, well, for interest rates and jobs and all this shit, and you know, it's about the front running. And of course, finally, the uh, the attorney has to admit that J.P. Morgan Chase is actually executing trades for the Federal Bank, uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York, uh, which of course is uh, a major portion, a major part of the Federal Reserve. So it's interesting, though. And I'm liking this Grayson guy. He's a he's a Democrat. Uh, he's he's just kind of kooky. 
and he dresses kooky, uh, and he smiles in that evil kind of way. And he's new, right? He's new to the game, I think. Yeah, and they're trying to shut him up. The Democrats hate this guy. That's Well, maybe that's why I like him. Well, that could be. He's cool. Yeah. He's cool. No, I mean, I mean, he's amusing. I find him amusing, but he's also full of shit. I mean, it comes, I've heard him do stuff that's just like, what are you, what are you crazy? Mm-hmm. So, so, I, I mean, so, I don't take him too seriously, let's put it that way. So, my prophecy is coming true, although not entirely my own. Uh, of course, we know about the Trilateral Commission and the entire concept of having a European Union, an American Union, and uh, an Asian Union, and then bringing those three uh, together into a one-world uh, government with uh, one huge central bank and one central world government. And uh, we're getting pretty close to the North American Union with uh, Canada and Mexico and the United States. And uh, in Thailand, uh, just yesterday, Asian Asian leaders pledged to overcome their differences and push towards the formation of an EU-style community as they wrap up their annual summit in Thailand on, uh, on actually today. So there you go. They're going to build the Association of Southeast Nations, which already exists, of course, and they're going to make that into its own political and economic community by 2015. So there you will have your trilateral. Yeah. And uh, this what is about the, the poor saps in South America? Don't they get a piece of the action or Africa? Yes, not. <laughs> no, we, well, the African Union already exists. But, yeah, but, but, but they, they just need it? to shut up and sit down and just give us your minerals. South America is going to have to form some giant country. Like they're not giant enough already? Well, I'm just saying there's, I mean, the way it's working, you know, they still, you know, you still have Chile is by itself small. It's very small. And Peru is by itself. It's not that big. Ecuador. They, these, a lot of these countries hate each other, though. It's kind of a problem. Which is also a problem, by the way, in the EU, which is going to result in a civil war. That's my prediction. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's uh, you might be you might be spot on about that, and, and it will be kind of par for the course, right? Yeah, no, it's just another version of the French hating the Germans. So why don't you play uh, the the guy that this British guy who wrote oh, the book? I, I saw this Obama Land. Yeah, I yeah. Had, I had to edit the, this way down because I didn't realize it until I listened to this this interview that Beck is one of the world's worst interviewers. Well, because the, the the questions can't be scripted. He actually has to think when he when he goes to ask a question, so he's got like bullet points or something, some version of that on the on the project. Yeah, well the guy wants to the guy's jumping in, jumping in and Beck is goofing around, making jokes. You know, and the guy's got a lot of good things to say. I I got, cut most of the Beck stuff out of the interview because he just it, it was like I'm it was like t- I got about 3 minutes out of this interview and the thing went for at least 12 minutes is mostly Beck goofing around. I mean, he's talking about, you know, he's making jokes and puns and well at the same time he's sympathetic with this guy's point of view but i thought the guy had a few really interesting things to say about england it's so funny you say that because i watched this uh, this interview and i didn't know about the book and i have ordered it although i've lived the book because uh and you probably have it in there about the uh, about the trash bins yeah that's at the end i have that too so I, i won't i won't give that one away but it's uh this does completely come back to uh, my assertion that the uh, that Europe and actually in particular the United Kingdom is the beta test for what we're about to go into here in the United States, which is uh, what this guy's thesis is. Yeah, I guess. 
but for how long? Here's James Dellingpool, author of Welcome to Obama Land. I've seen your future and it doesn't really work. James, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. And by the way, the guy looks so freaking goofy. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he looks like he should be on The Daily Show. Yeah. He really, he almost, for a moment there, you were watching the guy like, is this a joke? Is this like part of the, we're going to see the Obama Chia Pet ad next? Or what is this guy? But he's serious. Sure. Do you watch this program over in England at all? Th- by the way, that is, so, what a, I mean, like he doesn't know that Fox News is available on Sky you know, owned by uh, by the owner of Sky. I mean, this is, uh, Glenn Beck, he's, you're a disc jockey, man. Stop it. Yeah, we're quite big, big fans of... We're bigger fans of Fox over here than President Obama is, I yeah, think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's quite cult viewing. I didn't know if you knew what you were getting into here over uh, over here. Um, I know you're a, you're a wild and dangerous guy, Glenn. Yes, I know. It's crazy. Okay, what I wanted to talk to you about is... Um, you say you've lived the Obama plan. You've seen our future. Tell me a little bit about the future. Yeah, I am like your Nostradamus, because what you're experiencing now in America, we've been living for the last 12 years, first under the Obama... Obama prototype, the grinning monkey Tony Blair, and secondly, under the aging Politburo chief Gordon Brown. I, I like that comment, the Politburo yes, chief. That was good. That was really good. And we've, we've experienced socialism, and this is what's going to happen to you, I'm afraid. Okay. By the way, the fact that he's calling it socialism kind of bummed me out because it's really, it's a different form. It's, it's corporatism. It's not really socialism. Yeah, which is fascism, as a yes, matter of fact. It is. Cor- and and, and I, I wish that people would get that straight, uh, that it's fascism, corporate, you know, maybe corporatism is a little softer word to use, but it's not really socialism. We're having problems because they're now saying, there, there were these uh, two women, they, they were like, I'm going to drop my, my son or daughter over to your house, and then they'll get on the bus at your house, etc., etc. And the state came in and said, you can't do that, that's a daycare. You have rules right. for carpools if you're going to take a bunch of kids to to school, right? Yeah, we have kind of a, a pedophile czar over here now, more or less, where there are 11 million million adults in this country who have to get checks done on them. They have to pay £70, I think it is. They have to submit to this six-month bureaucratic process, scoutmasters, anyone who works with kids, anyone who takes them around in a bus, they have to be checked. before. They- yeah, this was reported on No Agenda. We talked about this, if you recall, John, that this was the new rule that was set into place. If you were going to be involved with more than two kids not your own, then you have to go through this check to make sure you're not a pedophile. So if you've got to drive the kids to the to the football match, you have to go through a check. Indeed. Allowed near a child in case they molest them. Seventy yeah. pounds. All what is that? Is that about four thousand dollars now? That's our joke. Yeah, really. He's he's to- to- totally taken. Everyone's taken our punchline. <laughs> yeah, it's about yeah, exactly. Okay. It's about a hundred bucks. <laughs> All right. Um, fox hunting. They're they're taking away your right to fox. Yeah. I can't believe you left that one in. I, I should have taken it out. Yeah, who cares? And fox hunting. I, Glenn, I used to yeah, go fox hunting. forward. I'll tell you one thing about fox hunting, though. Since they banned that, the fox hunting, dude, I, there were foxes everywhere on the street. During the day, these foxes are walking around. They're, they're vermin. They're no good. They're evil, dirty, and disgusting and dangerous. 
Yeah, they are dangerous. They're really, there's foxes all over the place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In, well, that's in probably London. why they instituted fox hunting as a as a hobby in the first place. Of it was course. probably culturally necessary. Of course. No. Oh, the poor foxes. We can't kill the foxes. Red for danger. Uh, amber for kind of worrying. Green uh, this for is, uh, about the supermarkets and and nice and healthy. Right, get Just to like the bins. In Germany, they had similar uh, health it's warnings. Coming. You know, like Coca Cola was considered unsuitable for the kinder in Germany. It's the same over here now. And I think you should all be very, very afraid of, of the cap-and-trade bill. The, uh, the porculus package was a rehearsal. The Cairo surrender monkey speech was a rehearsal. The uh, Obamacare was a rehearsal. The really bad thing, the thing that's going to ruin your lives in America is cap-and-trade. Over in Europe, it's done. Uh, yeah, the, because the EU loves the idea of uh, cap-and-trade because it's a way of imposing uh, supranational controls over sovereign nations. You know, you have unelected officials declaring what, how much carbon uh, business is allowed to produce. Uh, so, you know, you have no control over these unelected officials. They increase your taxes, they increase regulations. You know, we have, we now have sort of spy, spy devices in our dustbins, in our trash cans as you call them, in order to monitor how much waste we dispose of. This all comes from the European Union. Right. And that is absolutely true. They have uh, little devices, and uh, they determine the weight. And they've actually, they started out first by giving people smaller, they call them wheelie bins, smaller trash cans. So they reduce the size. uh, And you can't just put a trash bag out on the street. It has to be in a bin. And you can't have more than, I think, two bins per house. Put your shoes in a bin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was in combination with this, which I think aired, was it maybe Friday show, I think, or Thursday or Friday show, and I don't see it every single day, but I did catch this, in combination with, and I can, I know what you're gonna, how you're gonna respond, John, but I actually took the time to watch it, all two and a half hours of the new Alex Jones documentary, The Fall of the Republic. And I would encourage anyone listening to No Agenda to actually, if you can sit through it, because two and a half hours is too long for anything. Yeah, it, it, that's the mistake that uh, that Alex Jones made. Is this thing is just too damn long? Um, I forced Mickey to watch it, and actually, I didn't have to force her at all because after ten minutes, she was like, "Huh, huh." And essentially, every single clip you've heard played from C-SPAN on this very program, he has amassed into two and a half hours, interspersed with some uh, interviews, of which the best, I think, is still Max Kaiser, and there's a couple other, you know, Gerald Salente, which is, you know, the kind of kooky people, uh, uh, you know, sprinkled throughout uh, this, uh, this documentary. But what's cool about it is you'll literally see President Obama... Um, uh, then as candidate Obama saying, you know, I, there will be no signature statement, signing statements on any bills that come through Congress. And then, boom, you get a, a report of his first signing statement. You know, transparency, boom, no transparency. Bills will be online, boom, bills are not online. You know, all this stuff, we're going to do away with this. And then he actually ups the ante. So it's a very good, because it's C-SPAN. And if you don't know what C-SPAN is, you kind of don't even know what the hell you're looking at. Um but the 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 point of uh, the Jones documentary is indeed the global warming or climate change as it had to be renamed because of course it's actually cooling and not warming that is i have to agree is probably the worst thing that is coming down uh the pike here and uh that is where we will be totally enslaved for essentially breathing 
Yeah, well, I'm not going to get any argument from me. And it's it's upsetting when you think about it. You know, although there are some good reports that you know less and less people believe that. Uh, well, it's well, start- you know, this is you, this. By the way, that I think it was Pew or one of these guys that came up with the fact that the numbers yeah. of people that are buying into climate change has really decreased by a lot. Yeah, that's. What I I'm think it's for. going so fast, and now they, I think they're best to put somebody in a panic mode to to just ramrod some stuff through before they can't get anyone to agree to it. So I think we're going to see real action. Yeah, well, it's kind of scary, though, because when you when you look at some of this video of Al Gore and how he gets into people's face, if you if you, you know, of course, you're 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 not just someone who doesn't believe that uh, climate change is really what's uh, what they say it is. You are a denier, you know, of course, equating you to a Holocaust denier. Yeah, well, that that denier thing kind of uh, backfired. Well, I think they- it was a little scary. Here, number of Americans who believe in climate change drops, survey shows. Only 57% of Americans feel the planet's atmosphere is warming. That is a fall from 77% two years ago. And that's from the uh, the Pew study that you referenced there, John. So uh, it's still 57%. Um, but, you know, there's there's... It's so hard when people are when people are so hypnotized by the media. And by the way, 16% of all news coverage in the past week was about Balloon Boy. <laughs> Seriously, 16% of all news coverage was about Balloon Boy. I mean, doesn't that just tell you right there that something is incredibly wrong? So you've got a lot of people out there who are trying to spread some kind of alternative message. And uh, we do a lot of work on that. You know, here's John cutting down. I mean, first of all, the pain of having to sit through Glenn Beck's show. John, I'm humbled. I'm humbled in your presence of not only doing that, but then going to edit it. Uh, You know, this is a Sunday morning. It's the Church of No Agenda. We're sitting here. We're doing this. And we don't take ads. We don't want to be interrupted. We don't want to have to deal with the freaking Obama Chia every 30 minutes. Or what? Worse every five minutes, in order to pay our way to do this. So we need your donations. We had a executive producer who gave us $77.77, and we had, a, I guess, kind of a slow week, but didn't we have a new night that we could Yeah, well, the new night made up for it. Unfortunately, it's a secret night. Uh, he gave us $1,001.32, which, by the way, according to him, uh, sadly enough, is, is, uh, is he calculated that the moment, what is the euro worth, uh, and he gave us six hundred and sixty-six dollars and sixty-six cents in euros, and that's a thousand dollars. And that's a thousand dollars now. When it, when I was a kid, that would be about four hundred dollars. So something's wrong there. But so he gave us a thousand. He's a, and he doesn't. He can't. This is kind of. I, I don't know what to make of this. But he says we, we cannot mention his name. Well, he gave us a pseudonym to use. Uh, well, yeah, but I'm keeping the, even the pseudonym, I think, is too much of a giveaway. So we'll just, we'll, we'll work this out. Okay. But anyway, so I'm calling it the secret night from Hungary. And, uh, <laughs> he, um, he says that, Great. <laughs> he says that his, he says that his wife will kill him if she ever found out that he gave us this money. I, I, well, she may actually listen to the show. I'm not sure. Um, we do have another woman listener. 
Uh, so we're up to 19 uh, that gave us money. Kara Lennon gave us $51.92. I want to get through some of these. Uh, OKC Defensive Tactics, Inc. out of Oka, Edmonds, Oklahoma, gave us $50. Uh, again, our executive producer, Sterling Ellsworth out of Santa Barbara, gave us his sixth donation of $77.77. Miguel Crip. A Kripal, K-R-I-P-P-A-H-L, in Saya, Portugal, gave us $65.43. Hola. And, uh, That's exactly. all the Portuguese I know. It works in Spain, too, I hear. Uh, and parts of China. And <laughs> uh, Christopher Advent gave us, from Winnipeg, as a matter of fact, or Ad, he, said, he says, pronounce it Advent, as though we don't take ads. Get it? So, ah, gotcha. Uh, Adwent. Adwent. Um, Adwents. The- we have vaccines with Adwents. And he's in Winnipeg, like I said. But meanwhile, let me read Carol Lennon's note for the $51.92. This is how convoluted our listeners are. <laughs> Hi, guys. In celebration of my new job, I'm donating 50 Well, this is good. Anyone gets a new job can give us some money. $51.92. $50 being the donation and USD01. AUD 92 being the ratio of Aussie cents to the U.S. dollar at the moment. This is abnormally high for the currency of Gitmo South. Could you mention, thanks to my little brother Tristan Lennon, who he's the guy from Wagga Wagga, yeah. who you've mentioned a couple of times for donations, mainly because he's from Wagga Wagga, uh, for putting me on to the show, or turning me on to the show. Is what he, but putting me on, I guess, is the uh, Australian way of saying turning me on, right? That's what it was written. <laughs> I don't for think putting so. Me on, isn't that interesting? Mm. For putting me onto the show and delaying the decay of my postgraduate brain. Please ask Adam not to call me as a Sheila, as he did for the Shayla, other Aussie. A Sheila. <laughs> Why? As the other Aussie oh, this lady is the, this that is, no, I'm, not, I'm confused now, because when I did a documentary in Australia, and all the men were talking about Shaylas. And I'm like, yeah, or they'd say females. I'm like, neither one sounds really women-friendly She friendly says, no me. one here says that, and I died a little inside when I really? heard it. I was there, and I heard it. I heard two things, Sheilas and females. And and I thought females was even Sheila. I can kind of you know it's kind of cute. You know I can kind of get into that. But when you call you say women, you call them females. It, it makes them sound like apes. You know females. They're just females. Them bitches. Here come the females. Here come the females. Yo, where are my females at? You know it just it, it doesn't sound right. So I'm sorry. Maybe that was in 1996, and maybe it's changed since then. But when I was there doing, well, the you know, it may have been a local thing too. Uh, possible. possible, you know, maybe some little area. Who anyway, knows? we we appreciate your donations, and uh, yeah, and our, and the educational aspect yeah. to it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a better person for it. Uh, go to noagendashow.com. Click on one of the donation buttons. You can also uh, participate in our night layaway program, which is fifty dollars a month. And of course, you can also go to dvorak.org/na. Uh, and donate uh, from that page as well so that we can continue this program, expand it. We're going to start with the stream pretty soon. I'm just waiting for John to do some work and uh, actually select a stream manager. problem there, of course, is there's so many qualified people who have sent in uh, their resumes that it's it's kind of hard to choose. Yeah, we're going to have actually, we have to have two, we have to have a, a backup guy, so at least we'll have two guys. Because, you know... And I'd like to welcome uh, all the CEOs of Sequoia Capital uh, companies who are listening to the program this week. As uh, 
Jason Calacanis, who uh, we talked about on the previous show about his email to the internal mailing list uh, about swine flu, he just sent another. He pounded the list again, John. And, He's a uh, spammer, that guy. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, here's the here's the message. Self-described crackpot Adam Curry rips into my OCD over swine flu on No Agenda Minute 78. Some fair points. <laughs> He's a sport. I got to give him that. Well, if he gets anybody to listen to the show, well, he you know he can afford to. I mean, that guy's loaded. Yeah, he should he totally should be, be donating. He, he should be a he should be a knight just to you know it would get our goat. If he was a knight. What kind of regard do you have for the examiner? What, which one? It, well, examiner.com. Uh, the examiner.com, I believe, is an actual uh, uh, online outlet of some newspaper back east. Yes. Do, do you hold that in any regard? As in, uh... I don't find it to be a, a, you know, a, propag- a tool of propaganda any more than any other journalistic endeavor. Okay. Then you won't mind me re- reading, uh, paraphrasing a bit from... Uh... From an article, when I, when I read it, I was like, huh, this is kind of what I wanted to talk about on the show on Sunday. And here it is in, uh, in more or less a national public, well, certainly uh, <clears throat> it's on the Internet, international. Uh, and uh, this is kind of a throwback to the bombing of the moon bases, which we got a lot of response to. For, uh... Yeah. An official announcement by the Obama administration disclosing the reality of extraterrestrial life is imminent. Oh, <laughs> Reports wait a minute, there's, a, there's that one, and wait, the other one to follow up to this, by the way, is the announcement of the anti-gravity device. <laughs> you keep saying that, but you, when I start flying over your house, you'll shut up, all right? Oh, yeah. yeah I'll, se- I'll remain mum. For several months, senior administration officials have been quietly deliberating behind closed doors how much to disclose to the world about extraterrestrial life. Dissatisfaction amongst powerful institutions such as the U.S. Navy over the decades-long secrecy policy has given a boost to efforts to disclose the reality of extraterrestrial life and technology. So, and then the article is—it's it's interesting because I think probably what the guy did, and this was written by um, uh, Michael Salia, Ph.D. I might add. Um, you know, there's a lot, you know, you know, I travel in certain crackpotish circles and there's, uh, you know, all of this stuff is pretty much what I've been reading as well. Uh, so uh-huh. here we go. Over the period February 12th to 14th, 2008, the United Nations held closed doors discussion where approximately 30 nations secretly agreed upon a new openness policy on UFOs and extraterrestrial life in 2009. Uh, the openness policy was implemented but never publicly announced due to threats against UN diplomats. And there's all links here to, uh, uh, you know, to different sources that uh, would explain where, this, uh, where these assertions come from. And, of course, uh, a lot of references to Coast to Coast AM, which you, know, you may or may not listen to that. You may or, not, may, may, or may not believe in it. However, uh, this is what I've also been hearing, that uh, the plan is... Uh, either the end of 2009 or early 2010, official disclosure will most likely emerge in either one of two scenarios. One is President Obama will announce the existence of extraterrestrial visitors and describe one or more of these to the world. Uh, or, or, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> an announcement will be made concerning the discovery of artificial structures at the moon's south pole as revealed by the L-Cross mission. 
Because, of course, you know, they actually, they, what happened was, the reason why we didn't see any debris is they tried to bomb this moon base, uh, but they bombed (laughs) one of the bigger buildings, and that's, you know, it went right into it, and so there was really no big, big dust cloud or anything. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, Obama being, uh, you know, heading up the Security Council of the UN goes right along with with this, because, of course, you know, we have to not be afraid of, uh, of the extraterrestrials. Um, and in the even in the spiritual circles, there's talk of uh, of this happening very soon. And if you and if you look around at the reports, and they're always laughed and scoffed at, there's enhanced activity in UFO sightings around the world. That that is undeniable. Whether they're tr- whether the sightings are real or not, there it does seem to be a lot more reporting in alternative news, and of course not. Well, unless you want to count Balloon Boy. And, of course, we can thank ABC and Disney for all this promotion because V is coming out shortly within a few weeks, and we want to bring our awareness up. And the movie 2012 is hitting theaters, so, you know, it's obvious we got to be prepared for it. But if it happens, John, wouldn't that be wicked? What would happen? Oh, if, it would be wicked. What, but wouldn't you just have to eat some crow? Yeah, sure. i got a lot of crows around here, by the way. I wouldn't mind shooting one and eating them. <laughs> So I had a, I had, I had the, I come into the house the other day, and I, I walk up the back steps, and this huge red-tailed hawk takes off from the deck. He was sitting there. He, he ate a seagull. Oh no! Yeah, there's all. I mean, he ate the whole bird whole. But I he guess he attacked it. He killed it and ate it. Jeez! And you saw and- this. No, I didn't. I only got to the the end of it, and the entire deck is covered with seagull fur and feathers. Oh, I'm saying it's time again for John C. Dvorak's famous pulled pork. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, let, let, let me let me give you a, a couple of real quick ones, and then we we should do another one of your clips. Um, in the continuing amazement about what is actually going on in Afghanistan. Uh, and you'll have to go to the, to the show notes at noagendashow.com. Uh, the Boston, what, Boston Globe, I guess, at boston.com? Is that... Uh, I think that's the Globe, yeah. The Globe, yeah. They have pictures of our uh, servicemen and women in Afghanistan. So for these beautiful high-res pictures, you don't see a lot of that uh, actually uh, from, from Afghanistan. So first you see a, a C-17 dropping military supplies and then these military supplies drop into a poppy field. And then the next picture is, you know, so a whole bunch of pissed off Afghan farmers saying, yo, dude, like you dropped your shit on my poppy field. And the, the caption here literally says the Marines are promising to pay him for his damaged poppy crop in compensation for the accident. Wow. Yeah, it says it right there. It says it right there. And they're actually, and the Marines are just kind of standing there and... You know, it's like, I don't understand. Aren't we supposed to, like, be eradicating the poppy fields? Isn't that a huge problem? And, of course, John, you and I know that that's actually not true, is that we're there to to protect the poppy fields. But when you see this picture, it's like, you know, literally, oh, dude, I'm sorry, man. We we didn't mean to to, to mush your crop. And then... uh, (laughs) It's classic. Yeah, and then NPR has... Of course, nobody picks up on this, right? No. Well, the Boston, well, no, the Boston Globe just reports it, but it's not even like, huh? Excuse me, what's going on? And then here's a report um, from NPR uh, that it looks like um, 
in Kandahar and other provinces, they're really upping the cannabis production. Yeah, here, let me read you something from a report that came out. Uh, this is one of these government reports. Or this is a report on the report. In the first half of 2009, according to the report, military operations destroyed more than 90 tons of chemicals used in the production of illicit drugs, 450 tons of opium poppy seeds, which, by the way, I wanted to talk about, 50 tons of opium, 7 tons of morphine, 1.5 tons of heroin, and 19 tons of hashish. Hmm. And, and 27 laboratories, which are shacks mainly. So when did they, when did they, we didn't even know about the hashish. And hashish is nothing more than the, um, the oil that you pull off of the cannabis plant. Yeah, it's, it's kind of just a concentrated, uh, yeah, it's a goo. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, goo. It's, it's hashish <laughs> is what it's, it is. It's hashish. It's not like a hashish plant. You know, it comes from the same, the same yeah, plant. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dope. Yeah. Uh, now, wait a minute. I wanted to, here's the thing that's interesting to me. They destroyed more than this, that. They, then they, they destroyed more than 450 tons of opium poppy seeds. Now, why would they do that? Opium poppies, 450 tons, by the way, of seeds. And you know what a poppy seed weighs? Yeah, I mean, the 450 tons, that, that, you could fill up Giant Stadium 20 times with that before it weighs 450 tons. You could, but the thing is, it's a nutrient, and it's used in, you know, if you have a poppy seed uh, bagel, it's, those are the poppy seeds that are used. And this is actually food. So they've essentially... <laughs> it's food. It's yeah, food. You're right, you're right. So they've destroyed 450 tons of food in a starving area. This, see, these numbers don't make any sense. Yeah, and what, what, where's that report from? Well, this came out of... Uh, this is actually from last week, so I probably lost the beginning of it. This was a... Uh, an article that was in, uh, I think, run by uh, Reuters, but it was about a, a government report. It was just a report of a report. Well, it, you're right. It, the numbers don't add up, and I think we should just stick to our assertion that uh, the military surge is all about uh, protecting the uh, the poppies for the harvest, which is coming up. And by the way, the uh, NATO has now decided that it's a good idea to send more troops. So, of course, that's just backing up uh, McChrystal's, uh, lithium crystals, um plan there to send uh, to send in more troops for the harvest and someone else sent us a map of where all these camps are and again these camps are surrounding the poppy fields and they're just not destroying them look at the pictures in the boston globe just look at the pictures they're not destroying them and isn't it convenient that now the um marijuana production is being upped in afghanistan and since we got all these planes flying the, the opium over anyway might as well throw a couple of bales of weed on there isn't it convenient that now in california all of a sudden the fed or uh, nationwide the feds are relaxing the rules on medical marijuana isn't that right. convenient well they gotta do something there's gotta be i think it's just of course eventually they they figured out that they can tax the stuff well, yeah, and and I and I'm all for that. But why don't you just be honest about it, legalize it, and get our freaking troops out? We can grow poppy here. It would yeah. be great. Grows everywhere. The stuff's amazing, and it's one of the prettiest <laughs> plants food. you've ever seen. And it's food. And is and there's food. It makes food. <laughs> it makes food. Sheila Bear is the chairman of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and she has a message, John, a message of hope. And a message of self-assuredness, you do not have to be worried. You do not need to run on your bank. Everything is good. Enjoy your shopping experience, please. Here is her message. I'm Sheila Bear, chairman of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. By the way, she's wearing a red jacket. So you, mm. you know she's important in the administration. She's in the club. She's in the club, yeah. 
As we pass the 100th bank failure of 2009. <laughs> I love it. Hey, as we pass, you know, only 100 banks of 2009 have failed. So let's talk about that. The FDIC has been receiving more public inquiries about deposit insurance and how it works. And of course, we know that they've already announced they're going to be borrowing money back from the banks in order to fulfill their obligations. But listen to how she explains it, and you tell me if these numbers add up, John. I want to take this opportunity to reassure consumers that their insured deposits are absolutely safe. In fact, as long as depositors are under the insurance limits, their money is fully protected no matter what happens. This has been the case through each and every failure this year and will be the case in the future. Throughout the FDIC's 75-year history, no insured depositor has ever lost a penny of insured deposits and none ever will. You, there you are got, about you, you got to see the smirk on her face when she says that, by the way. 200 banks in this country. Some banks continue to face serious challenges, but the overwhelming majority will weather this economic storm. There are many signs that our economy is recovering. And as the economy heals, so will the banking system. Until the healing process is complete, there will be more bank failures. You know, there's a lot of psychological shit in there when she talks about the healing process. That's, it's, that's disturbing language, the healing process. We've been mm. hurt, and the healing, the healing has to take place. However, the number of failures we are experiencing is significantly lower than those the FDIC has handled during past crises. For instance, in 1989, during the height of the so-called SNL crisis, 534 institutions were closed. Depositors should understand that the chances of their bank failing... She's actually mixing the numbers there because I think it was 180 banks, but now so she, the 100 banks that have failed does not count all of the branches, all of the individual offices. If you count that, it's like 2,000. And here she's saying with the savings and loan, it was 500, but that was including all the branches. So she's, she's mixing up the numbers. ...are low, and even if their bank does fail, depositors have nothing to worry about. The FDIC fully guarantees their insured deposits and provides them with seamless access to their money. Okay. For the insured depositor, a bank failure is a non-event. People sometimes ask about our financial resources. Hey, how about your financial resources, Miss Blair? And where we get the money we need to protect depositors. Our resources come from insurance premiums, which are paid by the banking industry. Now, that makes sense, right? That's the way it's supposed to work, right, John? You, the banks pay insurance premiums, and that money is stored up, and that's supposed to be kept, and that's, uh, that's used in case there's a problem, right? That's the way it works. Okay. Well, let's see how it actually works. We also have substantial authority to borrow from the U.S. Treasury Department. Which means, uh, isn't that from, like, the taxpayers? Yeah. Okay. Should the need arise. We are the government, and our insurance... <laughs> We are the government. You have nothing to worry about. Please enjoy your banking experience. You will obey. Insurance guarantee is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Yeah, that's rich. It's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. In short, we cannot run out of money. <laughs> Bank failures do cost money, and those costs have recently been high. What is the point well, of this? Well, I want you to listen to how she's bullshitting about where the money's going to come from. I thought we already knew that. I, I, what I'm concerned about is this, is this, is this big nurse style that she exhibits. Well, of course, it continues. Pre-funded reserves have declined. Our resources run deep. At the end of the second quarter, our why total does she reserves... have to go on and on? Why does she? It's over. Why does? What is the point of all this? Is she like giving coded messages to somebody? This has gone on by at least 15 seconds too long already. You don't want to hear the rest.
Well, is it any good at the end? Because I'm already getting annoyed by the length of it. Well, oh, I, li- I like the fact that you're getting annoyed. Let me continue. Said at over $42 billion, we review the adequacy of those reserves every quarter and make adjustments as warranted. Based on our cost projections, we have asked that the banking industry prepay three years' worth of insurance premiums, <laughs> which will bring in another $45 billion by the end of the year. So, all right, I'll stop it here. But it goes I- on? Oh, yeah. It goes on for another minute. Who is she supposed to be talking to? To the people who are concerned. She's just confusing with a whole, bu- with a whole bunch of bullshit numbers like $42 billion, $45 billion. I don't think $100 billion covers all the deposits up to $250,000 in, in all banks of the United States of America. I don't think that covers it. Yeah, well, it just covers all the ones that are going broke, maybe. But whatever the case is, it sounds like a bunch of horse crap anyway. And then she, well, she winds it up, and I'll spare you. She winds it up by saying we have a line of credit with the treasury for half a trillion dollars no she doesn't that, that would mean we'd have to raise another half a trillion dollars in taxes and and, and just at the i just have to just, just let me play the end for you i mean it's just so the wrap-up is beautiful coverage to learn more by going to the fdic's electronic deposit insurance estimator or ed it can be found at myfdicinsurance.gov. <laughs> myfdiinsurance.gov. You have a personal portal for your world of the FDIC. Let me say again, no insured depositor has ever lost a penny of insured deposits, and none ever will. The FDIC was created specifically for times like these. Our resources are strong, and your insured deposits are absolutely safe. Thank you. <laughs> Please enjoy your banking experience. Everything is okay. You know, there's a bunch of new propagandistic techniques that are appearing. Uh, this soft-spoken uh, big nurse thing is one of them. But the, the one that I'm starting to see more and more of, and I, you have the clip there, is uh, epitomized by this Advair commercial. And I w- want you to run the commercial, and then I'll tell you what the – well, you'll figure it out when you listen I've to it. I've had asthma for 12 years. Six years. I've had asthma forever. I never knew why my asthma symptoms kept coming back. Kept coming back. Or that I could help prevent them in the first place. The problem was that my controller medicine was treating only one main cause of asthma symptoms. But there are two, airway constriction and inflammation. Unlike most controllers, Advair treats both main causes. Advair treats both main causes. And that helps prevent symptoms in the first place. Advair contains Salmeterol. Salmeterol may increase the chance of asthma-related death. So Advair is not for asthma that's well-controlled on another controller medicine. Advair will not replace fast-acting inhalers for sudden symptoms and should not be taken more than twice a day. Talk to your doctor about the risks and benefits of Advair. If you take Advair, see your doctor if your asthma does not improve or gets worse. If it's still having symptoms, ask your doctor how to help prevent them with Advair. Get your first prescription free and save on refills at beer now you know <laughs> okay so there's this technique they're starting to use and I, I find it kind of interesting where you don't have a, a a spokesperson anymore you have a myriad of people from various walks of life each one of them throwing in their two cents worth so there's an appeal to a broader proportion of the viewer uh, in this case, you've got a black guy, Chinese guy, a Mexican woman, a haughty black woman, an a, a easygoing, sure. practical black woman, a cool dude, sure. a white chick, a black, you know, it's just, it's, and it just goes, and they each have bing, 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 bing. And so, and it, and so it sounds like it gives you the impression that for one thing, everybody's united in this one single thought. It's the united colors of Benetton. 
It's exactly what it is. Yeah, but so there's two things that bother me about these commercials. Um, and, you know, we're, we have uh, at Mevio, we have, uh, was it uh, Nutrisystem now as a, as a sponsor on uh, programs except for this one. And the amount of legal legalese and legal things we have to adhere to uh, set out by some cov- uh, uh, covenant with the, uh, the FDA is unbelievable. And the one thing you definitely can't do is you can't have someone say, hey, you know, this really changed my life, unless that person has absolutely gone through the program and it changed their life. And the people in these commercials, they, to me, they're just actors. And I don't know where the disclaimer is, but they seem to be getting away with a lot of shit that smaller companies can't. Does that make any sense? Yeah, there was a uh, there's a lot of research. There was a whole special on this uh, on how uh, these ads for drugs became so popular because somebody tried it once and they discovered that they uh, initially you couldn't mention the drug without the disclaimer, so they just started being vague about uh, a drug without mentioning it, and the sales went from something like four hundred thousand a year to eighty million or something. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, just on vague assertions. And so everybody's gotten into the act. So they have studied this to death and they've gone over the line. I th- I'm totally convinced that, yeah, there's probably a bunch of uh, uh, requirements that these guys have gotten around. Uh, for one thing, if you look at this, the, the technique of having all these different people speak, they're just, they're just short, vague generalities about nothing. And uh, then they have the one spokesperson come on with all the disclaimers, yeah. and then they jump back into a series of of just com- you know just kind of jump cuts, of vi- you know visual and vocal jump cuts that don't really connect to anything. There's no tale, no, no real story being told in any traditional sense. Well, I don't know. know. I- well, you know, we're, here's here's the thing, John. We're not learning from this. This is this is the thing that's that's dumb. We're not learning from these tricks. Um, and we're not applying them to our own programming. We need to have a United Colors of Benetton commercial for No Agenda, and it needs to go viral. And we need to have it running right after the Chia Pet commercial. I mean, these, <laughs> how about the Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak Chia Pets? I mean, we're really not playing this well. And we need a mantra, just like, yes, we can, yes, we can. I mean, these are the, the, the people of the world you, are. You don't s- think in the morning does it? <laughs> yeah. In the morning, I will obey. No, you know it's it's like whenever some when when people are watching television, they get these messages uploaded to them, like we're like we're computers and we're completely open to all of this message this messaging, and we should be able to do something with that. We should be able to use the the same brains that are swallowing up all this bull crap and program them differently. Don't you think? Well, yeah, I th- it would be nice. We we don't we're not that good. No, it's clear that reason doesn't work. We've got to come up with some other way to do it. That we're failing. We are totally failing. Well, in case you didn't know, the only thing we do know how to do is uh, apply our formula. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth, and it doesn't seem to be working very well. We're not hitting hard enough. <laughs> we got to hit a lot harder. All right, let's wrap this up, my friend. Let- well, let me play one more. I got one more clip that would be kind of wrapping things because I've been, fought, you know, I, I'm trying to keep up with, I, and I have them all backed up. Don't tell me ad- the czar. The czar. No, no, we'll save that one. Okay. Uh, this is shorter. The the, the uh, uh, show Admin, which is a, hu- a very f- interesting show to say the least. If you can follow it, I don't recommend people getting into it late. You just won't get it. What show is this? 
Admin. Admin? I'm sorry, Mad Men. Oh, Mad Men. Yeah, no, yeah, I, Mad I, Men. I, I've been watching Mad Men. So uh, the, I think the one thing that 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 the sh- makes the show interesting is this is, is this ice queen, this beautiful ice queen wife for the main character. Yeah, that's <laughs> Draper's wife. Yeah, Betts. Yeah, and he, Draper's wife, and and I think the whole show is summarized by this quote from her that I had that I pulled off the show from about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, which just to me was her in a nutshell, and it actually kind of summarized the show. Here we go. What's wrong? What's wrong? I hate this place. I hate our friends. I hate this town. <laughs> That's the whole show. <laughs> That's the whole show. I hate this place. I hate our friends. I hate this town. I've seen her in some other stuff, and she's you know she's kind of yeah ice queeny in uh, in Mad Men. She's smoking hot when she when she unties her hair and she's kind of looks hip. Yeah. Yeah. She's a pretty good actress, but she plays this character that is just like, wow, can you imagine being married to somebody like this? Yeah, no wonder you had Draper screwing around. <laughs> Unbelievable. But anyway, that's... Right. So you don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to do Ron Bloom? I, I think it's okay. funny just because his name is Ron Bloom. Okay, well, Ron Bloom, this is a clip that I... This is an out-of-context clip. I don't know where it came from, <clears throat> and I don't know what he's talking about. Well, everyone's, everyone's using it. I mean, Fox is running this thing. Everyone's playing this clip because it shows the guy's just a, you know, a hater of, of capitalism, and he's our manufacturing czar. What, wasn't he in charge of GM for for a moment there? I thought that they put him in charge of GM, and then they and then they took him off and they turned him into the manufacturing czar. That could be. I don't. I. I don't. I didn't. I should have done more research on the character. But it's just this. It makes you shake your head when you listen to him. Oh, sorry, wrong one. Generally speaking, we get the joke. Uh, we know that the free market is nonsense. We know that the whole point is to game the system to beat the market, or at least find someone who'll pay you a lot of money because they're convinced that there is a free lunch. We know this is largely about power, that it's an adults-only, no-limit game. We kind of agree with Mao that political power comes largely from the barrel of a gun. (laughs) And we get it, that if you want a friend, you should get a dog. No, dude, I don't get paying you a lot of money so they can get a free lunch. that, That free is not giving a lot of money out. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's a non sequitur right in the middle of the whole thing. And the whole thing is like, what is he talking about? Now, I have a feeling because I've seen this YouTube clip and and it, and you never see what comes before it. But even when he says, you know, you could interpret the I get the joke in a couple of different ways. And uh, what, you know, that that those words preceding what he says about uh, the free market, you could actually say, you know, he, it could be a totally cynical thing he's saying. It's it's a little too out of context for me to actually be able to. Yeah, I to feel the same way. It was a little difficult. And people out there should feel the same way, too, by getting a hold of us at the noagendashow.com and org slash NA, just to remind you to, uh, uh, for donations. We, do, we did come up a little short number of donations this, the last, uh, this last uh, iteration. I would like, you know, there's a couple of things, and we have enough listeners to actually be able to make this really, really work. <laughs> you know, if, if all of our listeners gave us five dollars a year we'd be we'd be set you know i could quit the day job uh you could actually eat pulled pork twice a week and we'd be good to go so you and i john have really got to come up with uh with some better vision of how we move this show forward because i'd really like to make some big changes in 2010 you know the new year i'd i'd really like to 
I'd like to, you know, get the stream, have the stream up and running, have multiple shows. I'd like to expand. Uh, you're already doing a cool show with Andrew Horowitz, which really fo- uh, focuses on the markets. Um, I, you know, I think we could build out a little, a little mini industry that we could at least do it full time. And I'd really like to work on that. I just don't understand how we can motivate our growing audience to really everyone just contribute. And it's like people say, oh, I don't have a job. You know, I don't care. Send me five bucks. You got five bucks. Yeah, which is basically parking fee in San Francisco for like 20 minutes. I mean, seriously, take a look at what you're spending this week. Just, you know, look at anything. You know, it's one, it's one trip to Starbucks. One trip to Starbucks. And we're not trying to get rich here. And we're not rich by any, by any you know, in fact, if anything, we're middle class, upper middle class, and we're being targeted just like everybody else. Yeah, for bogus taxes. Taxes, yeah, taxes on everything. I probably have a, a eventually try to put a streaming tax. Oh well, you know, and by the way, we we kind of got to hurry up doing this because if you've been following the FCC and their net neutrality sham that they're pulling off, oh brother, <sighs> have you been following that? They can't. This guy, yeah. who who is this? It's like Harry Potter is running the FCC. This this, this little <laughs> jabroni, is. and he's like, and he's just he's like laughing and. And by the way, I don't think Google is our friend in this. I'm not so sure that they're the good guys in all of this. But whenever I hear that, uh, you know, the few big ISPs that are around, that they will be able to manage their network traffic, you know, it's like, okay, so net neutrality, yeah, it's for real. And by the way, where is the whole debate on net neutrality? You know, the, the minute people online can't change their icon to a different color to support net neutrality, then no one participates. You're all too busy frickin' twittering about Balloon Boy, you bozos. And now it's really taken place right in front of your eyes. And there's in this really nefarious, vague You know, language. my website, Dvorak Uncensored at Dvorak.org. You're, blo- you're blocked by all kinds of ISPs. I'm blocked in parts of Russia. I'm blocked by most corporations in this country. I've been unblocked because every once in a while someone said, well, yeah, you're blocked in my company. I said, who's doing it? And it's always some little middleman that they've hired and they just block stuff for no apparent yeah. reason. Yeah, Vodafone does this in the UK. They block all kinds of stuff. And the only way you can uh, can get it unblocked is by registering you know curry.com is blocked everywhere i went from a google rank page six to a four thanks to all the blockages you know and and that's that's not net neutrality and then i can that's that's not being addressed or discussed anywhere no, that's not this. I bring it up and it goes, yeah, and then somebody explains it, well, it's because of the such and such. Then they stop talking about it. I so, mean, the, the only guy who ever brings it up is Leo, yeah. and he only talks about it just to give me the needle. <laughs> and then the one other thing I want to just mention is, you know, uh, Hulu has now announced that they're going to charge fees. Of course, Murdoch has, uh, has been the, the big man on campus talking about closing down the news sites. We're not giving it away anymore. And what I find interesting is um, many people are saying, oh, this is the end of, uh, you know, democracy. This is the end of free news. Everything will be controlled. I'm like, this is great. The less stupid balloon boy shit people will be copying, pasting, the better. 
So maybe the signal-to-noise ratio will finally straighten out a little bit. I'm really happy. Please, every publication, and I'm looking at you, Wall Street Journal, please, everyone, close your doors, make it a for-pay service, and go away. Give us more room. Give us more bandwidth uh, slash attention value to actually bring some interesting information. I don't need to, to access the Daily Post. Balloon boy. <laughs> Balloon boy. So, on Thursday, we'll find out what they've made up this week to distract us from the real news once again. And uh, the countdown to the meeting of the extraterrestrials is on. <laughs> Our president soon to announce. Maybe that's what District 9 is all about. Maybe it's prawns. Prawns. <laughs> Go for some prawns. I'd like to eat the head off a prawn. All right. Uh, NoAgendaShow.com for the show notes and an opportunity to donate to this program. And you can also do that at Dvorak.org slash NA. And coming to you from the minimum security containment cell housing the Crackpot Command Center on Gitmo Nation West, I'm Adam Curry. And from what looks like a sunny day in northern Silicon Valley... I'm John C. Dvorak. We will be back here on Thursday. Same streaming channel, more or less the same time, on No Agenda. <laughs>